Most people are other people. Their thoughts are someone else's opinions. Their lives, mimicry, their passions, a quotation. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum, and producer Marcus Sawson behind the scenes. This quote leads us to our guest today, Billy O'Regan. Coach O'Regan is a sports performance coach based out of Ireland and the host of the Be Ready training podcast. Today, we kind of dove into coach's approach to control your own body and then control your opponent's body and how he implements some of these things and why he values them so much. We talked some about the, the shoulder and elbow care as well as just come, some of the contact prep, how it can shape, reshape, and kind of catch the deformations in our own bodies and in our own movements and kind of transition and progress that to how are we seeing our bodies deform and how are we seeing our bodies break down when somebody's trying to break us, when somebody's trying to push and pull us and do these things that we see in contact type sports. It's really cool to see coaches background and kind of range of experiences that have led up to this point. And hopefully you guys get something out of his journey and his thought process. Thank you guys for listening. All right. Well, coach, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here. We've been trying to set this up for a while now and we're finally rolling with it. Happy Halloween, Austin. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me on. I'm a big fan. I've listened to most of them and thoroughly enjoying your work so far. So it's good to be here. Well, thank you, Coach. And yeah, you're right. It's, it's Halloween today. I, I shot Coach. I'm like, hey, Coach, you, you want to do a podcast this Saturday? He's like, on Halloween? I'm like, yep, a little Halloween special we got rolling here. Well, I was, I was more concerned about um, Ireland, the rugby team, are playing here this evening at 8 p.m. versus France in a big, in a deciding game uh, for the championship. So uh, that's what I was more concerned about. <laughs> Do you want to tell the listeners uh, kind of a little bit about yourself, kind of where you're from? Because I think that's going to be uh, important and kind of how you got into the field of sports performance. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm 30 years old. I'm from the most southern county in Ireland called Cork. And uh, I've grown up here. At the moment, I am a sports development officer with a local organization called the Cork Sports Partnership, um, which I'm really enjoying. Um, so far, so good. So my current job is all about just uh, creating opportunities for people to get active and get into sports and stay active. Um, I suppose working back to the beginning um, to when I was a young fella, I grew up in a very sporty family. Um, rugby was the main sport in my household between myself and my brother uh, and my father who played to a high level um, and my sister who would have been not a rugby player, but she played hockey. Uh, we all represented our prov- province of Munster at an underage level. Unfortunately, although that would have been the dream, that didn't, uh, that didn't come into play, but anyway. So rugby, as I said, was the main thing coming up. And, um, you know, it was, it was probably took up 90% of our week in terms of w- what we were doing each day, what we talked about at the dinner table. You know, sports was big and um, we thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, working through then like the age groups in our local club, Cork Constitution, which is where I'm currently coaching and playing at the moment. Um, we, we would have played there till we were around 12 years old and then you kick on into high school or secondary school, um, as it's known in Ireland. We went to the same school as my father, Christian's Brothers College, which is uh, one of two rugby playing schools in the county. And again, like going in there, whether I knew it or not, like the dream for me would have been to play professionally, but like, you know, you wouldn't have the... You, you wouldn't have the um, awareness, I suppose, to know how to go about your dreams or, you know, to or was the pathway there? No, it was kind of like you're almost hoping for pot luck that these things happen. So I suppose 
in that sense, my training and everything was towards rugby, but nothing was in the gym, you know, everything was on the pitch. And in my, in my sense, I felt it was kind of like, you're just going up there and trying to do your best and hoping for the best at each session. And going into Christians, like, you know, you know where you're going in there. It is number one, the rugby, the sport is. So that means that study took a back seat for me, you know, and again, not intentionally, like I wouldn't say I was a bad student. I just didn't enjoy that it didn't interest me it wouldn't get me out of bed in the morning it was rugby like it was getting in there going to school getting through it and going to training and so it's fair to say I would have put all my eggs in one in one basket and it didn't pay off but anyway moving through the ranks of school and so I'm there till 17 or 18 and when you're in fifth and sixth year which is around that age group in in school here in Ireland the if you're in a rugby school the senior cup would be, you know, everything that you've dreamed of. Like you go to the games growing up to the school, there's always a big crowd there. There's a great buzz in the school around this time of the senior cup. And uh, in and around that time, I played in for fifth, fifth year and sixth year. So when I was 17 and 18, and I'll just cut the story short, I suppose, we, we never won a final or anything, but, you know, in our, in my second final, it was everything that I built up for and then it's over, you lose. And then you're like, what now? You know? So school wasn't going the best. Now rugby was gone. There were trials for the provincial team, Munster again for an under 20 um, side, which I attended and I was dropped off for being unconditioned. So I was like, you know, I, I always hated fitness and I hated the gym. I just love playing the game. You know, I really relied on skills, I suppose, and just being able to handle the ball well. And I suppose vision would have been another, um, I suppose, uh, what I'm looking for, aspect where I would have uh, depended on, you know? So the physical side of things I never really worked on. So when I was dropped off the squad for being unconditioned, it was a huge eye-opener for me. And as the trainings eased off and the eating continued, I would have got a lot bigger. So, you know, I I was up to a point, I'd say I was, I think I was 95 kilos, which isn't around 210 pounds, you know, a big, big for my frame. And I just remember a friend of mine who... You know, I met him one day after I hadn't seen him in a while because he was actually over in England playing soccer. And he would have said to me, Jesus, you know, get, get yourself in gear or look at the stadium or something like those lines. I can't remember what he said. I just remember how I felt. I was like, holy shit, I got to get myself in gear here. You know, I got to sort myself out. And I've never said it to him, but I'm forever thankful for that um, moment because it really kicked off my training career and in turn, my coaching career. So from that day forward, I just went home. I remember saying to my dad, look, I need a coach or I need a PT. He was seeing this PT at the time. So I started going to her twice a week who taught me how to train, taught me how to move and, you know, taught me things about nutrition and things like this. This would supplement my goals. Um, and it really just kicked off from there, you know. Um, over the years then, I between my undergrad and kind of going to college and whatnot, I worked in a gym, in a CrossFit gym, which I actually found the, the CrossFit when I was in the States on placement in my third year of college. And... I wouldn't say it was a, like maybe I'm not looking at it in a negative light, but definitely over those few years of college, when I was just training so much, I became completely obsessed, which kind of brought to light, like, you know, the dark side of health and wellness and that, like I was put, again, put everything in one basket. I'm all or nothing kind of guy. So I went all in this fitness thing. And I think Austin, that it was because I needed an identity, you know, looking back and just kind of like looking into it over the years um, and talking to different people you know, rugby would have been the thing growing up. And then when that's gone, it's like, I needed something to hang on to because um, school wasn't going to be it. Like, you know, I was never going to be a brain surgeon or anything like that. I needed something to hang on to. So I think I just decided subconsciously, I'm going to try and get as fit as I possibly can here, fit in inverted commas again, and, and see where that takes me. So 
you know, I'll stop my waffling now, but it, it, it was great for me in the sense that it found what I'm truly interested in and what I love doing. Doing, but at the same time, you know, there was a lot of um, um, overindulgence in fitness and training two a days when there was no need and there was no outcome from it, other than I was just trying to control myself and use it as a coping mechanism, if you like. So, all these things have really helped me, I think, um, in my current roles today, which are coaching the under 16 rugby team in Khan, which I'm really enjoying. I've been there for the last few couple of months now. Um, I'm doing a small bit up in my old school, Christians, with the under-13s up there, but it's very much a backseat position and just helping out whenever I'm available for them um, and whenever they have me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of in a nutshell. I hope I didn't waffle on too long, but uh, that's me. No, I, I like that a lot. And I, there's a couple of points that I think are really interesting is one you, you mentioned and you kind of like you talked about how you're using that fitness side as kind of the coping mechanism for finding who you are. And that's what yeah. I see. And I, like you said, like you're like, now I can apply that with my athletes because I think that's super cool because that's many, especially younger, not younger, like in the eighth, eighth grade, but like uh, the 16 to like 22 year olds, like that's what what I've seen is many of them are using that sport as that coping mechanism to find out who they are. And mm. If the coach, and this is where I see it a lot, is there's coaches out there who are still finding out who they are. So when they see an athlete that's finding out, they just push that athlete more into that sport, more eggs into one basket aspect type yeah. of things. And I, I think it's really cool that you have that kind of perspective on things because now you're able to take a look at that athlete that maybe is putting all of his eggs in one basket. And sure, if if that's really what he wants to do and it's not because he's hiding from something, that's awesome. We go forward with that and we attack it. But if it is because he's hiding from something, you're able to have that conversation with him. Yeah, for sure. Like, and, and I suppose like overall, I love like the athletes that I work with or the players that I work with, you know, in the end of the day, you just want them to continue playing, you know, and remain participating in, in the sport and coming up and training, enjoy training, looking forward to it. And, you know, I want them to be buzzing going off the field. Like, cause I know after sessions with them, I won't, I won't sleep till like, you know, midnight that night, just because yeah, obviously it's late at night, but it's, it's good fun and there's a great energy. And um, that's what I want from sessions. You know, I just wanted to, I want people to get up there, enjoy it, uh, learn to move, you know, learn to play, but also compete and kind of just develop as a person as well as a player, you know? Yeah, for sure. And there's something you, you, you mentioned before, because this is, I'm interested, you mentioned before that your undergraduate degree was in business. Through business. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about um, the transition of like, how, how did you one or why did you get into that? And then yeah, two, how yeah. did you transition that into the coaching career? Like, well, I feel, I think we kind of missed that part of the story, but I'm interested in that yeah, part. For sure. You know, uh, that's my fault for kind of skipping out on it. Well, you know, initially um, occupational therapy slash physiotherapy would have been kind of an area which I would have liked to get into, but in Ireland, it's a, it's a point system in college and it's simple as so you do this you do an exam at the end of your six years in high school called the leaving certificate and from that then you get a certain amount of points for each exam and depending on the points you get then you you have access to a course of your choice so i was never going to get the like points the points for those two occupations would be quite high so i was never going to get those points you know i i didn't put, i didn't deserve to get the, <laughs> the points for the, for those courses either but um yeah, so through business, to kind of answer your question there, my uncle would have done this course and, you know, my, my parents would have seen him to have a, a, a nice career and he's happily retired and all that sort of like kind of fed me in there. And I was happy, you know, I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll fall in here and I'll be in college and, and I can kick on at my training kind of a thing. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I just, do you know what, now I, I did three years of it and I deferred 
because when I was in America on placement, I was in New Jersey in, um, uh, sorry, Avalon, New Jersey. And I was just obsessed with training. My biggest fear was to go over there and to lose my, again, in inverted commas, my fitness, you know, because, you know, I remember just getting the placement and thinking like everything in America, supersize this, supersize that. Like I will go as far as saying it was an unhealthy obsession with health. And we can talk about that another time. I won't second start there now. But when I was over there, I used to go to work. Um, I worked into a shift work. So I was on, my shift was 8 p.m. to 8 p.m. In the, 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. in the morning. And after that, I go to the gym. I go home to bed. I wake up, eat, and then go training again on, on the field where I do some running and stuff like that. And like I was, I was with a good friend of mine over there and, you know, bless the man. He didn't say anything. Or he, thought, he just probably thought it was the, you know, he thought I was insane, just loving training and stuff. But again, I was just coping. I was just getting through each day. Um, and when I got back, I had headed over to New Jersey and I was 75 kilos. So, you know what, in, in pound speak, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, so I'm not going to guess. But I had lost, you know, 20, 30, yeah, 20 kilos at this point. And I'd say my parents were a bit skeptical, like, what's, what's wrong with him kind of thing, you know, in a way, you know, they just wanted the best for me anyway. So off I went over there. Then I lost like six or seven more kilos, which I came back frail like just a bag of bones. And um, I remember getting off the plane and my mom seeing me and I thought she was just happy to see me as to why she was crying. <laughs> but it's, she was like, what is, what, like what happened? Like, you know, cause I was a shell of a man. So um, I put food business on hold in order to kind of follow where I, what I wanted, which was the physiotherapy, but also just to kind of sort myself out in terms of like, you know, why am I, like um, I'm supposed to find out like why I'm acting a certain way, why I'm constantly training. What is it? What is the scratch that I'm trying to itch here? You know, so put that of course on hold. And I went and I did um into a feeder school called Stefan Neffe, which is an excellent organization as well. And I studied sports injuries and therapy there for a year in order to get into a physiotherapy um college sorry into a college to study physiotherapy a back door so that was another option which I could have done at the beginning but I didn't so I did that this time around and I got into physio then which was up in Dublin uh, which is a few hours up the road and living in an apartment up there with um, just this other guy who I, I haven't been in contact with at all but what I'm trying to get to here is I couldn't control myself up there either all I was doing was I just found the local CrossFit gym and just went there every single day you know and for the efforts that I knew my parents were paying my rent up there and everything. And I just did not, you know, I didn't feel like I was giving it up to the course. So I pulled back, I pulled out of that, came back to Cork and um, worked in a gym, pursued personal training. And then I went back in to finish my final year of food business a year down the road then. So I'm just delighted that I got that done. But in the meantime, I, I gathered um, great experience just working in the gym and doing the sports injury and therapy course as well. So um, yeah, you opened, a, you opened a bag of worms there. Sorry, Austin. No, I, I, the bag of worms are my favorite because this, this is where I love tying these pieces apart because now we understand yeah. kind of how you're getting that outside approach to training and how you're able mm -hmm. to, and we'll dive into that a little bit later. But now it's really yeah. cool to like see where you're getting these pieces and bits to draw upon. And it's not just that straight and narrow path that like no. you're still doing that same thing that you were taught in school because now you have a couple outside perspectives. Mm. How, so now you have these couple outside pieces, you, you've worked in that gym, you finished up that degree. How did you like go from all of that to going to work with Kier, who I feel like is like a huge step mm. to go and intern there and like, get immersed in that side of the knowledge and I've talked to and just seen their knowledge. It's like, holy crap. I feel like that'd be a massive eye opener. Did, was there a step in between or was that just jumping into that and be like, holy crap, there's a side of this that. It was huge, man. Um, all right. So 
here's the thing, right? And I remember saying this to Kier as well. Like I would have followed him since around 2015. He, he had an excellent blog, the Rugby Strength Coach Network online, where I just read up on all his articles and just watch his videos on YouTube and things like that. So, you know, and, and, and I'm a big believer in kind of attracting things into your life when they should be attracted into your life. Um, and I remember being over in London at the 2015 World Cup and myself and three of my good friends had bought tickets for what we would have, would have thought Ireland were going to be in the semi-final, but we we took we hedged our bets and bought the tickets before the before the quarterfinal had happened. And again, long story short, Ireland lost the quarterfinal. They didn't get into the semi-final. We couldn't get rid of our tickets, but Argentina were playing Australia in the semi-final. So you know, not needless needless to say, we we try to sell our tickets. You know the day the weeks and days leading up to the game but anyway we ended all ended up in london and um i remember just in our in, in the stadium just beforehand just watching the warm-up and i was like there's care i was like there's care when i'm flat like and so he was just leading this warm-up with with all the with all the rgs like and you know he had like the drum stretch fans hanging off them and like they were practicing their kicking their handling they're hitting bags and i was like this is unreal you know it's like is that from? I don't remember anything from that game other than the warm up and watching Kier, you know. <laughs> so I mentioned that to him when when I got over to Virginia. He was just laughing, um, but yeah, it was a huge step. Like I went back. Um, I worked for a year in sports nutrition in a sports nutrition company here in Ireland before I went back and did my masters in strength and conditioning. And um, you know, as much as I enjoyed the sports nutrition, it just I just didn't. I just wasn't happy in my everyday role it was fine but I knew there was more you know I wanted to get more from coaching I wanted to get more from strength conditioning I wanted to learn more I knew there was a massive gaping hole in my knowledge and what and what could be what you could learn and what you know you don't know what you don't know in one sense but at least I was kind of aware of I needed to know more if I wanted to pursue um coaching anyone really like you know um and that was the one thing about, I worked in a CrossFit gym for like the bones of five years and it just got to a point where, you know, you're just not developing anymore. You're not progressing. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but like I found myself kind of getting bitter and I just wasn't being myself and I, I just knew it was time to go then. So that's why I got the sports nutrition job. When I was in the sports nutrition job, then I wanted to know more. So it's that like pursuit of more knowledge of, you know, you know, just wanting more. So um, anyway, during my master's, and this is pretty cool, I was doing my thesis. It was in April and I was just there like scratching my head, just like right here in this table in a similar t-shirt. <laughs> and I'm going like, what am I going to do this thesis on kind of a thing? And I just naturally went on to Instagram and Kira had a story up saying, I need an intern for the upcoming summer and email the following. And I just DM'd him and I was like, look, I will, I'll travel any distance to hang or to be in the same room as you or whatever, because he had done um, a seminar in St. Mary's a few weeks beforehand and I was kind of humming I couldn't make it in the end but anyway so I, I DM'd him and within 15 minutes I was on an interview with Scott Coon who was on this podcast and another excellent guy great coach and um, yeah it all just I went over then the following week it was crazy man and I just ended up there I was like what? I, I loved it like you know headed to New York to stay at my friend um, who brought me in for a night and we, we went out for a beer just chatting he's like how is this happening and I was like fucking no no I'm just going to go with it and I uh, headed down to Virginia then the next day on an Amtrak train which it said it was going to take five hours but it took about 10 <laughs> and into into the fire then you know meeting Kier the following morning and like I just I couldn't believe my my luck but um you know I I look back to my emails recently actually I was trying to find I was trying to find an email that I'd written to Kier before 
and my first email to Kier came up and it was from like 2016 or something. So that's what I kind of say when I, I think that like, you know, if you want something bad enough and if you go about it the best you can, then it'll happen for you, you know? So um, it was an unbelievable experience. Uh, opened my eyes hugely, a massive stepping stone. Um, and again, just to come back on that, you don't know what you don't know. Like, I think if I went back again to, to, to work under them, I'd even get more again from the experience, you know, and because I could ask the right questions. And it's something I chatted to with PJ Dundas, who's also a son of this show and, and Lee, and Lee Kirk as well, two great guys. But I was chatting to PJ about it. Like, he's like, yeah, you know, because you need a, you need a base to work off, like to ask those right questions and to approach people a certain way about the topic and stuff. He's like, you're so, you're so right. Like, so yeah, it was just some up unbelievable experience, massive eye opener. And um, I, yeah, I'm very thankful for it, like, and, and everything that Kieran and, and Scott indeed have done to me, like, you know. That's freaking awesome, Coach. You got me fired up now. You're talking about how <laughs> you, you saw him and kind of tracked him and just was, like, looking at that blog and maybe emailing him here and there, like, four mm. years before you even started yeah. any of that. Like, that's so cool. I know, yeah. It was crazy. And I, I love that about it. You know what I mean? And, like, Kieran probably throws eyes at this now, like, but I, you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying how it happened. Like, um, so yeah, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. Awesome. Now let, let's transition into the, I'll stop picking your, picking your brain on the why, but let's transition <laughs> to, we're tying all these pieces together. We get, we got your background. We understand kind of why you think the way you think, but what yeah. do you think? Like, what do you think matters in the world of sports performance? Why are you so into kind of the whole aspect of controlling your body. I call you the crawl king. We have so many yeah. crawl variations kind of, what is that about? It's, it's a good question, man. And, um, you know, it, make, it makes me think vigorously, you know, even just coming on here, it's kind of think about it. And, you know, there's, there's many avenues I could go down um, with this particular topic, like, but I think, again, it probably stems from um, years back when I was learning to train. And I think I just fell into the right under the tutelage of the correct PT, which was this lady, Rebecca, who was just form my, helped me form my thoughts and like the importance of movement and move, all the movement patterns and like simple things, just squat depth and full repetitions. And obviously going into working in a gym, then I bought that with me and just, it's, it's, for me, it was like, it's how you do it, not what you do. You know, I, I kind of stand by that the whole time. And um, so it was always movement number one for me. And um, another part of it for me was I was terrified of getting injured, you know, like that one, I actually fell away from rugby for a few years uh, after when I got, after I left school going into college, I, I still played, but I fell away from it. I lost the love of it. And I think it's because I wouldn't be able to feed my addiction, you know, of what was feeling the best I could through training, you know, getting in there every day to the gym, doing my own thing and then coming home, kind of recovering what I thought was as best I could and then hitting the field or whatever again, you know, so that, that fear definitely was, um, something that fed into what I think is this whole area around preparation and like resiliency. If that, if that makes sense. Um, I remember like go, during my gym sessions growing up or sorry, in, in college, I go in there and I knew I had to set like an hour and a half aside because I go up to this, which they had a kind of a track an upstairs track and I'd get in there and I just spend like 15 minutes just going through the motions, you know, looking back now, it's, it's all your running drills and skips, hops and bounds and whatever, but just working up a sweat just so I could feel like I'm getting something out of this session. Um, and then I transition into 
Um, apparently, like because when you go down to the gym room, then you didn't know it was going to be available to you because of the amount of people in the gym and crowd. So I just would find a spot in the corner and I, I'd always grab a medicine ball and I'd just do core work. Like, and it wouldn't have been your typical sit ups and bicycles, kicks, you see, all that kind of It was more static work and just gaining control of your body and how does it feel and can you breathe was a huge one, which, like, you know, if you can't breathe, you're completely out of control. So all these things I think just added up as to like why I found, find it so important now. Um, and then when over in Virginia, when, when I saw like here incorporating like grappling drills and I remember like, cause James Key, another great coach in England and a good friend. I remember he got to take the bigs the whole time doing the grappling drills while the uh, mids and the skillies would have been at the opposite end of the field doing their uh, agility and work like that. And I was kind of like trying to get the best of both. I was like looking up and down the pitch. I was like, what's he getting? No, I want that. So, um, and then Andy Ryland of USA Football, another huge influence on me. You know what I mean? He's really helped categorize my thoughts um, and really helped me kind of like hone, you know, kind of bring bring my world or, you know, into kind of a more compact area to understand. Um, so I think all those things combined have just kind of, you know, this is what I've, this is what I go about my work. I just, I just don't want to get, I, I don't want to get injured. I want to feel good. I want to move as best as I possibly can. And it, you know, you, you reap the rewards for that in my experience anyway. And we, we, we get these kind of, I love the breath part. You're talking about like, if you can't breathe, you can't control it. <clears throat> yeah. What, when you, when you, when you're working with your athletes and, and you're seeing these things, like mm. how, how are you, are you teaching them, the approach to, Hey, if this, if you can't control it, like, are you watching it? Like, how are you implementing the control your body aspect and really these, this belief system in with your athletes? Yeah. I mean, with great difficulty, I think, I think is the, is the answer there because, um, you know, in my experience over the last year or so, when I've been working with, for example, the J2 team up in Cork on, they'd be kind of the third senior team. Um, and now with the under 16s, with the, with the amount of bodies and kind of one coach and being, being, knowing what you want to see and not getting that is difficult without kind of um, coming across poorly to the players and setting a tone that you don't want to see. And I've made that mistake, you know, I've made the mistake of putting that, setting that tone and kind of driving home in the car afterwards going like, I shouldn't have said that I should have approached that a different way. And it didn't matter that much and things like that. But to answer your question, like, um, and I suppose just getting into the whole contact preparation side of things, there's three main areas which I which I primarily think of, and that's the robustness, resiliency, kind of range of motion area, the observation area, then which is like your, the awareness of your body, and also Andy Ryland talks about like the kinesthetic awareness, which would be how you feel your opponent or how it feels, how, how you how you cope in that situation of being um, one on one with an opponent or whatever it is, and then you have your deformation skills, I suppose, which you're trying to prevent that. So just trying to optimize the position of your body so you get the most. Out of it. Andy calls it reshaping. So finding a position of power, you know, in contact. I love all that. So like so much goes into it, but scaling all that all the way back is just looking at a person and seeing, can they do a simple hold? You know, you're going to take the bear straight away because, you know, people are used to doing planks. You've seen the planks where, you know, hips are dropping, shoulder blades are kissing, uh, traps are being shrugged up to the ears and you're asking yourself, and they're there for, you know, how many minutes, but you're asking yourself like, what you could do with that five minutes of work is unbelievable as to what is actually kind of happening. And you mentioned it as well with the coaching in the States and stuff where there's, there's such a, a, an opportunity for progression the whole way through contact, seeing as it's a stimulus that causes 
unbelievable um, stress to the to the body. So why not use it? And that's something that I approached my coach with up in Con about it. And he liked it because he can see it and they can automatically make the transfer from what it looks like here into in a drill onto the pitch. So just bringing it back to the bare position. I mean, and James Key has helped me hugely here as well um, with kind of synopsizing what you're looking for. And first of all, it's can the athlete hold a position for an acceptable duration? Then you're looking to increase the complexity through moving, removing a limb, making it just a little bit more challenging. Like what happens then? You know, it's like those again, common faults would be the trap shrugging up, the scat popping out the back, the hips dropping. Um, then you're looking for, can you move in and out? Once you've got that solidified, can you move in and out of a certain position, whatever it is? So that's when I like to, you know, I, I, lo- I love the um, a scap rotation. So you'd be in like even a push-up position, reaching through the floor, shoulder blade comes around your body and you're coming back and you're just trying to control that entire side of the body you're working on whilst keeping the opposite hand up off the floor. So you're just moving through the entire range of your shoulder. Um, and then... I kind of lost my trail of thought then, but oh yeah, like adding a little bit more range or more speed or however you want to go about it. So like over the last few weeks, I've been trying to kind of put everything together and how would I package this, you know? And I, and I think there's so much you have to think about because we mentioned the breathing there. That's one thing. And that probably should be up there with like one of the main points of what you're going through. But when you're on the pitch with 30 lads who really don't care that much, and I'm asking them to take five deep inhale and five deep exhales, which is a game changer, by the way, um, they're not going to do it. So all I'm looking for is trying to find those cues that assist that player, however way it is. I mean, it could be about three seconds of where they find the proper position and they lose it. But for me, that's still progression. Um, like, you know, it's so funny during our first few sessions of preseason, like I'd be in the center and I'd, ha- I'd just have the players around me and I'd be demoing however I can. And, you know, I'm friendly with a lot of these guys, so I can I can kind of talk to them a little bit more openly than I would if we say one of the under 16 lads. But one one guy in particular had his hips, you know, in the bare position, like the hips, the hips raise up, the chest drops, you know, your typical uh, fault. And I'd say, I'd say, I'd say, Neil, sort the hips out or whatever. And he drops the hips. Then he kind of like, you see it in his face. Then straight away, he's like, Jesus, this is a completely different stimulus now. You know, he's <laughs> like, you know, he knew he was doing it right. Or he knew he was doing it wrong because it felt fine, you know. But um, so it's just things like that. Like, it's like, and again, it's so difficult because you only have a certain amount of time with these players, you know, we had like six sessions before our first game, like, and before like a tackle was made, like, so you got to make the most from the least in that sense, far easier with a smaller group. So when working with, um, or when working in a gym, which I had been up to the end of last year, um, I do a lot of group sessions, group training, and, you know, I, I felt that I could get my points naturally across way clearer, uh, way faster, and people get more from it. But it's about, um, being able to package it. And I, I hope that comes with experience as well as to like, I know different cues work for different people, but it's about like finding the more commonly used cues that, that seem to make that take an effect. Does that make sense? No. Yeah. I, I love all of this stuff. This is something that I, I emphasize a lot with my athletes too. And I love how you brought it back to uh, a lot of times you'll have those 30 athletes. Like I have a lot of 30, I'll bring 30 football players up and they all hate crawling because it's hard for them. So now yeah. we're trying to tell them. So the focus, I love that you brought that up, but yeah, for sure. a couple, a couple things that I want to focus on is like, if you can't control your own body and you're breaking with your own mm. body, you're, you're yeah. deforming, moving your own body. Like, what do you think that's going to look like when somebody is purposely trying to break you? And I think that's one of the coolest parts for me is 
all right, you're breaking down, you're deforming in that situation by yourself. Why? You know, like, like, like what's our yeah. issue there? Uh, yeah. What's, yeah. What's that going to look like when somebody's pushing on you? For, for sure. Like it, and it's, it's obviously, you know, Com- com- being completely transparent when you're only going to get so much from um, the individual contact, t- contact prep. It's a contact sport. People want to tear your head off, rugby is. So, you know, how, how, how is that going to, how are you going to tra- transition it over? And, you know, my mind casts back to, um, I was like 16, 17, we were in a training session up in my old school and we had this great coach, Alton O'Callaghan, who would have uh, played to a high level in uh, Cork as well. And, I remember he was doing a break. He was at the breakdown. He was chatting with the breakdown and he basically had a player, if you're familiar with rugby, uh, Jacqueline. So he, there was a player over the ball um, attempting to rob the ball. And he was talking about how you got to be thinking about how you can manipulate this man because there is a way to get him. Like if you're in an attacking sense, there is a way to move him and win. And, you know, I just remember that like going, holy, you know, there was so much opportunity there as well. Now, not from the coaching um, standpoint at all. This was pure from a playing standpoint, but you know, there is, there's no, like for a player to be able to cover all bases um, and to survive in such a chaotic environment, I think is something that is world-class, you know, but you still can, you still can do enough to help you withstand these situations that you're going to find yourself in a pitch to buy you an extra second. It's not about winning the collision. It's just about perhaps not letting the um, attack inside get ahead of you by, you know, getting a step up in you by as much as they would or to create an opportunity or to buy you a second so that like you get the ball back that split second quicker so that the attack, so that you, your team can use the ball faster, you know? So I wouldn't necessarily look at it as how do you prevent this? Because it's, it's, it's not, a you know, you're, we could be here for the next four days trying to sort that one out and have my maps everywhere. But I think it's just like to give yourself the best opportunity and to prepare the best, to prepare yourself the best you can. Why not take these steps? Um, because it will transfer over when you make a hit uh, on the field and when you can get up that split second quicker or if you can hold down an opponent for that little bit longer. Yeah, and the other thing you, you mentioned, you talk about the huge shoulder range of motion. Yeah. And this is something that I've noticed personally is like I went from the, the meathead way of training my shoulders and my arms for like injury prevention ways of like yeah. we're, we're dumbbell bench pressing, we're dumbbell shoulder pressing, we're doing these things. And like, I always thought that was my answer to like, all right, my, now my shoulders are never going to break. I'm never going to have hand issues because I'm able to bench press a lot. I'm able to shoulder press a lot. And you look at the range of motion there and you look like what, like what you're strengthening. And mm. then you look at a bear crawl position or you look at like a bear to crab where you're rotating around that shoulder. Yep. And to me, there's really no way to mimic that range of motion in the weight room other than doing these things. And ever since I've switched to kind of this method of training shoulders and my, my elbows, and I, I look at it as training my shoulders, elbows and hands as well as core, but like there's, there's no way to mimic that range of motion. The, the way my shoulders and elbows feel now mm. is it's night and day difference than what it was before. Yeah. I, I, I get you hundred percent. Like, um, again, my mind cast back, sorry for bringing this back so much, boy, but it's, I'm just getting memories in my head here. Um, it was funny you know, with CrossFit and all the issues that surround it and shoulders being such a, a big part of that. So, you know, you've, you've heard it all with the kipping pull-ups and whatever else and, you know, taking your shoulders to your range. And like, I would have had a coach tell me that I have excellent range of motion in my shoulders. Um, but for me, it was about how, how I can control that. And I remember one night sitting on the couch inside and I had this rotator cuff issue. It wasn't necessarily a rotator cuff issue. It's that kind of dead arm pain uh, traveling down the arm coming from the upper trap, which is, I think it's something to do with the supraspinatus, which is what I read up on at the time. So I knew there was a, well, I didn't know at the time, but 
I remember my, my mother was watching a Homeland on the TV and I was there massaging my upper trap because that's where I found a trigger point. And uh, next thing, the credits roll on the, on, the, on the show and I take my hand away and I put my hand overhead and there's no pain. And I'm going, holy, I go, holy shit. My mom goes, I know. And I'm like, no, no, no. I have no pain in my shoulder. I have no pain in my shoulder here. Like, you know, that's, I can train tomorrow. You know what I mean? So I think, um, you know, it may look like that one has nice range or whatever, but how, what can you do with that range? Can you control it? And I think that's the most, that's the most impressive part I was going to say, but that's a vital point of all this as well. And you see it a lot with all the contact prep as well. It's like in a bear position. Yeah. You're getting your bear position done, but how well are you doing it? Like, um, are you reaching through? Like, are you creating that tension required? I think tension is actually overlooked quite a bit in these positions and throughout all the contact prep I've seen. Um, to be able to create that tension in that position is a different story than just holding a, a bear hold or a single arm bear hold. And that's another uh, area that I'm finding challenging when it comes to trying to package all this together. It's like, how do you get across to the person that you want them to create that tension in that position to get the most from the X number of seconds that they're going to be in it? And um, I think that's where the... The bear punches come in handy, you know, the single arm bear punches, the double arm bear punches, where if you're, if you're not, if you're not creating tension when you hit the floor, you're going to deform anyway. So you're not going to get anything from it. So to be able to get the most from them, you have to be able to create tension in all these positions. Yeah. And I, I, I geek out about all this. Like I love all your posts about it. And I, I've been stealing a lot from it and you're, you're right. Like if you'll see the, I think a lot of times when you're moving and you're doing these things, like you'll see my favorite is when the athletes start to like catch on and they see the deformation in the other athlete, they start calling them out. I mean, like it's, <laughs> yes. it's my favorite. And like, I'm like, Oh, this is making sense now. Cause they understand like one way is super easy. One yeah. way makes this way harder. And they're actually working what they're supposed to work. For sure. For sure. And now we kind of talked about the controlling your own body aspect side of things, but now I want to kind of transition this to now the kind of next progression in a sense yeah. is controlling somebody else's body now. So yeah. you, you, um, we're implementing all these things. We're kind of working on that contact prep. Andy Ryland talks about the brace versus flow and trying to learn what leverage is trying to learn, um, how to reshape, like you said, with another person that's also trying to reshape and trying to deform you. Like, how are you going about implementing these things in your training and hopefully making your athletes understand these things? Yeah, I get, yeah. Again, it's, it's very challenging. And yeah, I love Andy's viewpoints there and makes so much sense. And I don't think that, um, it made more sense to me for, to the stand, to the point when I was in a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu class and I was like, I'm going to be able to, you know, I, I won't have an issue here. I don't know. I only did two classes ever. And I, on both occasions I was spanked around the place. Um, so I, I had like, I haven't like that. That's not the reason I didn't go back. I got a job, <laughs> but I just remember being in there and, you know, being in a, a hole, a hole of some sort with, um, it was one guy actually who I would have been training with the whole time and just his ability to, yeah, manipulate you no matter what you tried, he had a way out. So looking at it from that standpoint, it's just reps in the bank, isn't it? It's getting, it's exposing yourself to these positions as much as often as you can with different opponents as well. Um, in terms of introducing it up in the club, again, it's challenging because time is of the essence, but it was when I first started with this team last season, we were kind of mid uh, with the J2s, that is, we were in the middle of the season and we were training one time a week. You got to get a lot done in that session. So that was a perfect time to add in what I would call uh, pre preparing to play, which is I, I kind of break up into two sections. The first section would be more static work. And just for example, you're in a lunge hold, like right knee on the floor, le left leg forward, for example, and you're just trying to fend off your partner who's next to you, who's doing the same thing. Um, and I think just like 
and I spoke to Andy about this, just the position of the angle of the outside leg there. You know, you're trying to get across, you're getting a nice uh, tension in the adductor and you're trying to reshape after each push. And um, I think there's an awful lot to that. So I kind of, again, lost my trail of thought there. But yeah, sorry, last season, you'd be in the middle of the season so you can make it more chaotic, you know? And it acted as a great um, conditioning tool as well. So like, for example, I would have had maybe... Um, a two to three sets of four or five different positions and we just work for up to 10 seconds and then rest for 20 to 30 seconds um, Sean Seal who is with who is Upside Strength on YouTube and on Instagram an excellent coach in Switzerland who has um, done great he's done a great job of breaking down the research as to how long these high intensity static um, situations take place in amateur rugby and for the forwards it'd be up to seven seconds and for the backs it'd be up to five seconds now the backs are the forwards are obviously in far far more um, a larger amount throughout the game than the backs but you're trying to again keep all that in mind as well so this season and pre-season when we were just doing um, prepare to play level one say which would have been those static holes so you might be in a bare position and partner one would attempt to just remove the hand of partner two. How do they react? You know, work like that. Then you go into the lunge and I would have superseded that with uh, speed work. And um, because it's, you know, it's a great time. You're, you're taking two to three minutes there between reps or 30 to 40 minute sprints or whatever it is. It's an excellent time I found to get in that um, extra contact work. Is that, is, does that make sense to you? Can you kind of picture that or have I done a poor job? No, no, that, that, that totally mm-hmm. makes sense to me. And I, one of the points that I love that you brought up was the kind of conditioning aspect of it all. Mm. Because this, this is what I bring up with a lot of my bigs is like, well, you can do all the tempo runs you want. I'll put you in five to 10 seconds of these grappling things and you'll yeah. be absolutely gassed. Like the, yeah. the emotional stress of moving somebody and there's the physical contact of having to move somebody. Yeah. Just, a totally different world of in quotations conditioning and it opens their eyes like you guys can go run as much as you want if you guys aren't prepared for what your sport's going to require you to do you're going to go up Absolutely. day one and get crushed condition wise cr- cr- crushed um and you're right it's completely it's it's completely different and um, i would have incorporated the uh, level one contact prep so like i suppose the prepare to prepare phase which is just the individual stuff during tempo runs this year as well. Um, I know Sean Seal, who I just mentioned, will be doing the same kind of stuff. And I also incorporated just simple mobility work because what I found from this group in particular is like their in, their hip, their hip mobility is is poor, you know, very poor. Like and you're just kind of opening up yourself to um, you know, it's high risk there because obviously you're you're more susceptible to injury and in ranges of motion that you haven't trained in. So just trying to open up those hips a little bit just before the season kicked off and before like the full on contact came into play. I found the tempo running an excellent time to do that as well. Um, I have one more point there to make about the contact prep stuff. It will probably, hopefully it will come back to me. I've let it slip for now. No problem. I'm interested now because we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but because, mm. and this is something that's interesting for me because now we're kind of like almost a whole year into a whole year with quarantine. So it's probably like six months of actual hands-on training with this contact prep stuff yeah. with my athletes. And I'm starting to get back a lot of anecdotal evidence, a lot of stuff like, Hey coach, um, feeling this, like what we did in the training session on the field now, um, when I, when I fell, like it didn't hurt like it did before. These type of things, like just the anecdotal evidence. I'm wondering if, if you're kind of getting some of that back or what are some of the results that you're seeing from this training? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think I count myself lucky here as well because like I'd be doing, you know, I, I, I can look at this from a kind of a personal point of view, but also what the players are feeding back. Um, and definitely they, the, the feedback I've gotten off, not all of them, just a number of them would have said they just feel 
more ready, you know? It's just that readiness for a game and not being completely uh, foreign to a tackle situation, you know, and just feeling more bulletproof in a sense. And I get that feeling um, absolutely, particularly I found this year, um, I would have never focused on the neck area. And over the last few months, um, getting hit in the neck twice a week, it's we only, we've only had two games this season due to lockdown. But in those games, just being in a position maybe over the ball at two different occasions, and I just felt far more, I didn't feel as much at risk. And I don't know, is that a, the mental side of things? But if it is, I don't care. I felt, I felt better in that sense, you know? So I have only incorporated that, the next stuff, to a very low level with... Um, in robustness circuits again throughout sessions throughout preseason and they would be purely individual where you might be holding the side of your head pushing at like maybe 70 to 75 percent uh from the forward angle back angle and, and lateral sides as well so i haven't got much feedback about in that sense but for me i can really tell from my neck and um, and also just as i mentioned before it's just buying that extra second in contact to be able to and to bring up andy's term again reshape reach back and to have the extra second to fight on the floor um, like other feedback includes just as you said there like they hate it you know what I mean the crawls and stuff like you know you're, you turn up the training and the first thing you hear like oh we're not doing crab crawls this, crab crawls this evening or whatever and like particularly for the forwards if I'm the front front five like to be unable to actually get into a position into that crab position like to actually not be able to get there I would see as a red flag but to counteract that um, Kier had a question and answer during the week where he had a picture of one of the props from Argentina, you may or may not have seen it, and somebody asked him a question about shoulder mobility in the front row, and the Argentinian, like, you know, he did your, the scratch test, and, like, he was about a metre away, and he's a world-class prop. So you got to kind of take these things into account as well, you know? Um, nothing, nothing is as perfect as, you know, as you'd like it to be. Yeah, and I, I love the personal evidence, like your own personal evidence from playing actual rugby. I think that's yeah. super cool because. Well, that's 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 sorry to bump in, um, Austin. That's that's a huge thing for me because I always and that's like I I went back to rugby last year, you know, because I had to because I wanted to feel what these players felt to be able to relate to them because that's how I probably do my best describing, you know, and. Um, I just think I'd have more, I get more bang for my buck in, in terms of being able to relate to the players better. Um, and it goes from outside the game, how you're recovering and what effect the body are, what effects was taken from a particular session or, you know, recovery sessions, such as your tempo running, like, is that helping or is it not? So all these things I think are definitely helping me um, be a small bit better, you know, small bit better than if I didn't play at all. No, I'm, that's, Oh, coach, you're going to get me fired up now in this whole round hole because that's what I talk about this all the time. It's like, as a coach, you got to stay connected. You you got to find a way to stay connected to what your athletes are doing. And that, that's what I talk about all the time. Like, if you want to be, if you want to be the meathead strength coach, like spend your entire day training with a barbell and then yeah. your is going to be the barbell. Like, yeah. train for a sport. I don't care what it is. So like, a couple things like I've been doing is like, teaching myself like how to dunk a basketball. Like before, like I couldn't touch rim. I play a lot like in the state. I don't know. If, I, I have no idea if it's worldwide, but we play like a slow pitch softball, but it's like with ba ba yeah, slow pitch softball, we're hitting the ball. What's like, what's the mental carryover? Like what's the technique carryover, this type of stuff. And finding that way to stay connected has opened my eyes so much to is my training, is the sets and reps what's matters? Like, is that what we're really worried about? Like when I step yeah. up to the plate, is that what I'm thinking about? Is that what I'm processing? Are these things carrying over? So like when you say that, like that totally like clicks with me because it is a, I just feel like sometimes we're so far into our own field, we don't understand what that athlete is feeling like when he lines up on the field, on the pitch. Yeah, 100%. Like, and, uh, you know, it's something 
I don't think you're going to follow through with something as much as you do unless you do stay connected and use it every single day. And that's something I'd like. I, I find it now as a great screening tool for myself as well. Like if, if I am going through a, a crawl progression or whatever it is, say, because I use it every day in my warm up, it's like, oh, that feels off. Or why, why don't I feel as connected or set there? And that's something that um, can be gotten from it as well. You know, it's like just that the ability to kind of connect the dots in your body and to feel more powerful, more set, whether, whether, whether you are or you are not, if you feel it, it obviously has a massive effect on you. So yeah, I've seen, I've seen your videos um, on Instagram of, of the softball it looks like great crack. Uh, and and the Duncan as well you're like you know between yourself and Jake Torre now I nearly get a I nearly get a basketball net out the back myself but yeah I think I think staying connected and and being able to relate to the players and using these things and you know having having an explanation for somebody who asks you a question on it is is so important to buy in and essentially to how 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 well you do as a coach you know yeah and that's like again it's like how, how do how do you how do you dive deeper into like what you're doing. Like, like, how did I learn crawls and rolls? It was looking at stuff that you put out, looking at stuff that Andy Ryland put out. Mm. And then I implemented it in my own training. And I'm like, Oh, this makes sense to me. Ooh, this doesn't, why doesn't this make sense? You know, like, and this is like, I just coaches like that, that I'll talk to like, how do I get more creative in my training? How do I do this? Like dive in, man, like dive in <laughs> deep to these rabbit holes and then see where it takes you. <laughs> Definitely. Like, um, even your, I think it was your post yesterday, the foreign Instagrams, like if you want to see it, express it, you know? Um, and I love, I love the way you're going about all that stuff as well. So yeah, I know it's, 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 it's an unbelievable thing as much as, you know, in uh, social media can, can be a detriment to the amount of hours in your day and to what you get done, it, you know, there's so much good to come from it and to kind of spark ideas in your head and, you know, to try, try new things and to get out there. And as you said, you know, get after it and get stuck in, as we'd say here is, um, is a great thing. Well, boom coach, let's, let's transition into the rapid fire rounds now. And, right, and the, the first one I want to ask you is kind of your favorite book or books that have helped you through life and through this mm -hmm. field. Yeah, definitely. Um, Oh, it's kind of like, you know, I'm laughing because it's usually me asking these questions. <laughs> but, you know, I was working like years back, I was working in this boot camp um, down in Kerry. It was called Pure Results Boot Camp. I get laughed at here now for this. But <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it, it is, it's a great boot camp anyway. That's kind of, um, it's run by this lady in, in Ireland and it's, it's good fun. Anyway, it's aside the point. During that time, I was reading this, I was reading The Secret and Rhonda Patrick, right? The Secret by Rhonda Patrick. And it's all about like, you know, um, your visualization and attracting things into your life. And although it seems it's very commercial, it gave me kind of a great base layer as to like how you can go about your business, you know? And if you, you know, ask, believe, receive is, is, is something I got from that book. And I, I kind of use that every day. Like no matter what the situation is, it can be as big or small as, as you like. But I think that, I think it's powerful. And it just made me really careful of what I think about, you know, and where my attention goes in that sense. Um, another book that I only finished up very recently is called The Power of the Subconscious Mind by a man called Dr. John Murphy. And it's so funny. Just when I got to the end of it, I read the lad the, about the author and he's from Cork, like he's from where I'm from. Um, but he's, he passed away a good few years ago, but he, he lived in the States anyway, but he's from Cork and he wrote this book and it's exactly, it's near, it's about the same thing. It's about visualization and you, you can, you can get yourself into a situation. You can put yourself in a position to get what you want from this life, you know? Um, 
So that kind of, it wasn't as commercialized, which, what it, which is what I loved about that book. You know, it was like, you really felt like you were actually like in this guy's head and you wanted to put these into practice. So that was, that was fab. Um, from um, a strength conditioning side of things, then I love Joel Smith's book, Speed Strength. I'm dipping in out of that very regularly, as well as the governing dy- dynamics of James Smith. I only got that after my internship. Um, so that's a big one that, that I'm looking to get through, taking my time through it. And uh, there's, a f- there's a few more now that I'm looking at. It's um, Anatomy Trains by Thomas Myers. Um, now, I, I've only just started that. So I actually, was he on your podcast as well, Dan uh, Van Mode? Um, Dan, oh, I, can't, I can't remember his surname. I'm so my, my apologies for missing his surname, but he kind of just listening to him has put me on to um, looking into the anatomy trains and just I suppose oh what's the word I'm looking for the slings anatomy slings of the body and all that kind of stuff and incorporating them. Um, so that's something that I look to get stuck into as well. So yeah, they're they're the they're the books that I'm currently getting after. Were, were you thinking of Danny Foley? Danny Foley, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep, yeah, Danny Foley was on. He's the man. I, yeah. I, I love him. Yeah, yeah, he seems great. He seems great. Um, I see all his stuff, and yeah, he, he seems like a cool guy. Yeah, but th- th- those are some good books. I, I, I haven't read the first two, but I've read the other ones. The strength conditioning ones are, those are dive deeps into rabbit holes oh, yeah. if you want to get into those. But uh, I, well, I love Joel's way of writing and the pictures that go with it and the, the kind of tables and stuff that he's involved Like So um, yeah, that's one that I, that I love. And also, then, sorry, just for, just for, there's another PDF that actually might be great for um, your listeners. You might have got it or not. Um, Naval Radikant, Radikant is an entrepreneur slash investor, and he talks about wealth creation. And he's, he's worth a follow on Twitter 100%. But um, PJ, again, let me know that he had a PDF available online for free. And I, it's like 250 pages. I printed it off the other day. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm currently reading every night. And I go to bed and I'm like, that was incredible you know it's like every page you're like jesus you know what i mean like it just it just lays it out for you and um, i won't say too much but that's definitely i'll actually send it on to you after this podcast i was gonna say i, I geek out about his twitter like his twitter oh, yeah, yeah. i think he was he on is Ro- the man i think he was on rogan's podcast is the first time i heard yeah, of him I was yeah, like, same. my whole same. i was like oh man like this guy this guy knows some stuff that i need to know <laughs> right exactly yeah he's he's a, he's a phenomenal person what a mind what a mind and then next next question, and it's kind of how we how I continue to branch out and how I, I found out about you and, and Andy Ryland and the whole like kind of contact prep field. But who's a guest that you think we should have on the podcast? Yeah, this, um, yeah, I love this question when you ask it in the, your pods. And I remember uh, Lee and PJ saying James Key is definitely one man who, if I were you, I'd get on. He's he is a coach from Wellington in England, and. He is, you know, I pick, you know, he's the man to go to for me for long-term athletic development, but also just shooting the shit. Like, so yeah, I've, I, I haven't spoken to him in a while now, but I've a call with him coming up this week and I can't wait. Um, so he's one man. Stephen Casey Austin is a man from Cork here and he is a great guy, one, but an excellent coach. And like, he's constantly researching and, uh, refining his thought process, I find. And he puts out great Q&As, uh, our true and false questions and these things every day on Instagram. So he's on Instagram as Casey Performance. Um, he's a great guy and someone who I, who I definitely recommend. Um, and I think it'd be probably rude of me not to say, not to recommend Kier as well, uh, to, to complete the trio of Scotty and, and Eric and to get Kier in there if he's available. Um, so I think, you'd have, I think you'd have a good chin wag also. I, I need to get Kieran. My goal to get Kieran is for the final podcast of the 52. So my goal is to have nice. 52 in the year, one a week. So I, I'm going <laughs> to manifest that. Like you said, ask, believe, yeah, create. Yeah, do it. Definitely, definitely. 
right. So next question. And we, I asked a little bit about this before the podcast before we started recording, but what's kind of next for you? What's kind of that next big step? Maybe it's a year, maybe it's a week, maybe it's five years. Like what's that next kind of goal? Yeah. I like, <sighs> just for, uh, just I'll repeat what I said to you. Uh, so we did again, be transparent. Just like, you know, to be the next, or to be the next Irish Stuart Lancaster will be the dream. <laughs> but uh, whether or not that happens is another thing. Look, I'm just, I just want to get through um, the remainder of this year with the under 16 lads up in Cannes and to really solidify um, a team there and to increase numbers in that team uh, to get a good thing or to continue a good thing going into 2021. And from a coaching standpoint, to just continuously try to refine my thoughts and like, you know, it's just, there's so much to learn and you're never going to get through it all, but like, trying out everything that you believe in and just looking deeper. And that's something about this podcast, which really helped me. It's like, look further into what you believe in and what you do every day, because you get stuck in emotions in your sessions. And like, it's actually something I find difficult about training. If I'm in like, you know, it might be under a squat or something. And if something training related comes into my mind, like, why am I doing this? Or what contraction type was that? And all this kind of stuff. I actually get like stressed out, man. You know what I mean? I'm like, fuck, I'm stressed here. So like, all those, all those things just mean to me that I have so much more to learn. So to answer your question in short, get through the year, do as best as I can to help develop the under 16 lads up in con as um, players and definitely people. Um, and to just kind of continue to stay healthy and stay hungry, you know? I like that a lot, Coach. That's all I kind of ask for with this crazy 2020 that we're going through. Oh, but stop, man. Yeah. <laughs> the, next, the next one, when all this coaching stuff's over mm-hmm. and the Crawl King... <laughs> has retired being the crawl king what what kind of you want your legacy to be when everything is over what do you want people to say you accomplished uh, you know um, we're lucky there's no alcohol involved here because there'd be tears like wouldn't there <laughs> um, I, I, I think just to, to, to leave any organization or any um, job that you're in or any team that you worked with just leave that a little bit better you know I don't think you can do much more other to kind of leave as best account as yourself. And whether I've done that or not over the years, I don't know. Like, um, I would have hoped that I have, but you know, in in terms of legacy, like it's a strong word, like, but yeah, I think that's just to um, leave as, leave as good as an outcome or leave the place just a little bit better um, to how I found it, you know? I like that. And then coach, we almost survived the podcast. We got one more question and this is my favorite of the podcast. (laughs) It's It's kind of your billboard message for somebody that, I call it a valley, but it, it's somebody that wants to get out of the valley. Maybe they don't know the direction. Maybe they were they were kind of stuck in that like dark side of health and fitness, yeah. like you were. Yeah. Kinda, what's your billboard message for somebody like that? Uh, so, like Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss has this question as well in his uh, Tools of Titans, which I use as well in my pods, and I love it. I think you know you're putting people on you're putting people on the spot hugely there, and like you know thinking about it. Yeah, my, my mom comes into my mind straight away because she always says, she always says, keep on keeping on, you know, she just says that. And I found myself saying it an awful lot as well. Uh, so it'd either be that or uh, uh, move off and feel good. I like that coach. Keep on keeping on. That's the keep chopping wood mantra of our entire yeah, company, right? our entire thing. And I feel like that's the answer, man. So coach, yeah. thanks for being on the podcast. We survived the whole, whole talk. We did it. Yeah, we did. Come here. I really appreciate you uh, having me on. I appreciate your work. I love seeing what's coming next for you. Um, and I will be absolutely be in touch. And you might have to repay the favor and come on my podcast now next time. Let's That's do it, coach. Good Thank man. you guys appreciate for listening. It. Keep chopping wood.